1: Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on again this week with JB and I'm joined by someone, an old friend actually, who I haven't spoken to in quite some time, chezo Hello. Hello.
2: Back from the dungeons of Supercoach. I've had a good week for once. Well, you're not, I don't, Are you trying to be old or like... Yeah, like it's been such a long time. Just imagine me covered in dust because I haven't moved from like my study trying to figure out how to turn my piece of team into something half decent. That's actually always how I imagine you, so that's nothing (laughs) to
1: change there. Um, All right, well, I mean, on that note, how did your week go? I assume Um,
2: well this week? Well, I tweeted, JB, and what did I tweet? I tweeted that I was scared of Supercoach Sundays because something always happens. I had four four players to pick from as my captaincy and I would have taken Petrarca because I ended up with a Gorn instead of Petrarca, Oliver or Cripps. And, uh, mm. yeah, i lost a head-to-head matchup against JB in rivalry League and uh, I've been getting a lot of salt in the channel that I had to just leave briefly just to recollect my thoughts, just wipe away a few tears and kind of just rebuild and move forward.
1: Um yeah look it, it, captain Gorn doesn't help um i i actually thanks for asking by the way i had a decent week this week i'm uh, into the, the top week. 10k and there aren't many Dr. who coach uh, affiliates inside the top 10k and speaking of affiliates um we are again powered by code sports i, I always forget that off the rip so thanks again to our, our lovely sponsors code sports um i'm into the top 10k i'm ranked um 8811 cz um, mm. It's been a while since I've been this high, actually. So, the I'm getting a bit of a... You know, I, Nosebleed. My, my, yeah, my ears... Are Hypoxia. Popping, but I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to assume it's like a height-related disease or illness. It is. Yeah. If you go up Brilliant. too high, you'll get it. Brilliant. Um, but I've got that. Oh, that's exactly what I've got. I'm in a rocket ship at the moment. So, 8,800 <laughs> rate. Um, I scored 23.15 on the weekend, and I made some very speculative trades. I I traded out day cost this week. Um, Whoa! I traded out Canelio this week. What? And
2: who was your other the- one? You traded out Took Miller or something?
1: <laughs> no, no, I kept Took. He, he did well as well. I traded out someone else. I can't I can't remember who the other guy was. But he was probably good as well. Um yeah. but no I've been, I've been doing some wild trade outs. Um before we get too far into that, we're gonna jump into the Patreon shout-outs. We're gonna do the housekeeping first. This podcast is gonna be a little bit different. Um, as we will discuss later. But firstly, we've got four new signups that need to be shouted out. So I've got Mr. Ping's Noodles, number one. <laughs> Thank you very much for signing up. Is that a, and is that just a ma- uh,
2: did you Did you pronounce that correctly? Get in touch with us. Uh, if there's some sort of accent on there, we do need JB uh, donating to the Cancer Council more often. Start I throwing have, in some difficult names. I haven't had to do names.
1: it once. I haven't had to do it once. Adrian Bianco, I think I've got that one right. Um, Samuel... Just and and finally Sam. So just Sam. uh, I mean, Sam, like it was already hard enough with Samuel, but Sam knocked off three of the letters for me. So that one, (laughs) 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 I appreciate appreciate that, guys. There, so four different sign ups. Thanks very much for signing up this week, boys. Really appreciate, or boys or girls, sorry. Um, Really appreciate your guys' support. And I believe, speaking of support, we have um, quite a selection of cancer council donations to read out.
2: We do, JB, but I'm going to hit you with a fast question. Sam signed up, immediately went into the DMs and said, I'm torn with who to upgrade to this week, McRae or Parker. JB, one word. McRae. Done. We've got some Cancer Council donations. We're almost up to $18,500, thanks to all the kind donations from our community. We're going to start with Pep, who uh, probably won't get drafted in the uh, rivalry league so high in future after a George Hewitt donut. Thank you for your donation. Mark Peters, late donation from last week for some help from Cheezo. And when did Cheezo become Cheese Wagon? I've, I've always been Cheese Wagon. It's just when I'm on a roll, Mark, that's that's when that happens. Uh, thanks for your donation. Tristan, what more can I say? I came up short, inverted commas, this week, despite <laughs> boosting, got stuck with a backline donut. Well, yeah that's, uh, yeah, that's why you don't end up on Team Cheezo. I've got to say that. You know, we're, we're up the top of the ladder for a reason. Tommy G., Realising the first quarter of the North game that looping Horn Francis and McComb doesn't work if they're playing at the same time. Oh, that's rough. That is. That's rough. rough. That is rough. Uh, Tim Farker, we've got Hewitt sorry, Donut hey, and screwing wait, up my loops.
1: Who who is that, Tim?
2: Timothy Farker. Right. Okay. Carry on. Hewitt Donut and screwing up my loops, leaving Roses on field for his 18. Yep. Not good. Thanks, Tim, for your donation. Diane, DIY die donation for dumb things for last-minute trade update. I've, I'm saying this like a haiku. Uh, trade update to change Stranica to Curtis and accidentally trading to Curtis Taylor instead of Paul Curtis. Didn't realize oh, until... I heard about this. I heard about <laughs> this
1: in the chat. That, that's, that's unbelievable. And and like, did- I, actually, sorry, I rate Curtis Taylor as a player and I was hoping... That he at least pull out like a 70 or something. I don't, re- I don't think he had a good game. I'm pretty mm. sure he had a really bad game
2: as well. <laughs> That's unlucky. <laughs> I didn't realise until I tried to do my Rochelle to Parker trade and couldn't afford him. That's oh, <laughs> just compounded. That's rough. Yeah, Thank you for your idea. donation, Diane. Butler, we've got Hinge, you beautiful something, as promised for my rivalry league win against PESTLE, in all caps. Is that okay? Uh, we've got yachts. Uh, from For losing my Rivalry League matchup through not fielding Jack Hayes to use as my loop before priest oh, was locked out. I saw out.
1: this as well.
2: But my question to Boring John, is he a human hypnotode?
1: Right. I, I, I don't know how to answer <laughs> that. But as a result of that, Yachts actually Captain Steel for his 75 this week. Oh. Yeah. very
2: Pain. Unlucky. Yachts. Thank you for your donation, Nick. In the white w- wise words... In the words of Pistol, not wise. I, I, I put that in there. Uh, you've made a mess of this. Luckily, no donuts and great scores from SDK and Patty. And Sicily in the uh, in for Rids save the day. Only one trade used, however, for keeping Rochelle and for sleeping through three games and fading Pistol. I'm donating for potentially doing dumb things and being too scared to Captain Chris uh, Crips. Either way, it would be good.
1: I was also too scared to captain Cripps this week. Like I looked at my league matchups and I was I was pretty safe in two of them and really wanted to captain Cripps but didn't want that scary soft tissue injury ruining all three matchups and potentially the season. He's a very, very difficult man to captain, but he always plays late in the round. So hopefully when they reschedule the games in the second half of the season, he gets some... Thursday, Friday night games, and we can, we can start putting the vice-captaincy on him at least.
2: VC options, yeah. And our last... Through the pen. Donation for, the, uh, for this week is Johan. Uh, we've got donating for dumb things. Was kidnapped by my boys and taken on a surprise. Bucks weekend away. Had the C on Connor Mack, so I could take McRae VC score. Oh, Didn't realise McRae was late in until partway through the first quarter. Spent my Saturday night puffing a Cuban... And praying for Connor MacTunn, sadly, disappointed. Congratulations on your Bucks weekend, by the way. Yeah, and, congratulations. Uh, thank you to all our donations. Uh, jumping um, on the Cancer Cancel bandwagon.
1: I hope for the Bucks weekend, um he he you know, he, he took care of himself. You know, like it, it's it's there's nothing worse than going on, on like such a weekend and then you got your wedding coming up as well, and you you just, you know, you haven't quite taken care of yourself, Jesus. Do you know what I mean?
2: Mm. I do, and then some people, incidentally, trade in Josh Kelly when they're drunk.
1: <laughs> that also happens, but w- what <laughs> I was talking about,
2: uh, I don't want to. I don't want to know what you're talking about. Is this no, no, PG?
1: No. I'm, I'm talking about um, Australian autumn is here, boys, and luckily the sponsors of today's show is. <laughs> that was an actual segue, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Manscaped are here to make sure the leaves are falling off your tree as smoothly as possible. Their fourth generation performance package, which includes their signature Lawmore 4.0 has all the tools equipped to keep you calm and collected through all weather uncertainty. Time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Insert the code DRSC. And as I say every week, lads, always remember that when you trim the weeds, the tree stands taller. And Chizo, shame on you for not picking up on that. I do hope the manscaped uh, delivery got out to to old mate in time to have a, a smooth bucks weekend, um, and that's you know a smooth wedding following that up as well. So I think that goes without saying, Chizo.
2: Absolutely, mate. You see, you, you hear that smooth ride. <laughs> They, we
1: got live props in the. I we got
2: live props. I hope that's normal. Live the props. that's talking Highly, highly end. recommended. Highly recommended. Absolutely. If you want to support the podcast and support the sponsors that support us, and you're in the market, highly recommended.
1: Absolutely, couldn't agree more. All right, so um, a little bit about the show coming up today. Um, we've got a couple of discussions um, about some premiums slash maybe not premiums. We've got some discussions about the rookies that you are going to have to be downgrading in the next couple of weeks, as well as the the, the downgrade targets that we're looking at. And then we're going to throw the rest of the run sheet out. Throw Um, the run sheet! Throwing it out! I'm not throwing anything, actually throwing anything. I've got a very neat room here, Cheezo. Um, I've got so many props for this episode. I know. You've brought the sound effects. I appreciate that. Um, And we're going to go through the top eight defenders and forwards, the top 10 midfielders, we're going to leave the rack line for now because that's all a bit of everywhere. Um, <laughs> but essentially, the the purpose is we're going to discuss most of the guys that, that, that warrant discussion in what we think is going to be the top eight to 10 in each line. Um, we're going to discuss some unlucky omissions and try to just give a bit of clarity over... Um, who people should be upgrading to, who you should be looking for like in what line. And actually, just maybe look at your team and assess it and think, you know what, I've actually got someone who wasn't even mentioned in this top eight, top 10 or whatever it is. And maybe I should be looking to a luxury trade later after the buyers. But these are all things that you you should just have clarity on. It's a very difficult time of the year this year. There's a lot of people making upgrades. Some people are doing them. In defense, some are doing them in midfield, some are doing them up forward. It is impossible for us to tell you where you should be making your upgrades. Um, and, and if you at least have clarity over who you can upgrade to and when, and, and when they're probably getting close to being at their perfect buy time, um, then at least you can assess that with um, with a little bit more sense, I suppose. So before we get into the top eights and tens, um, <clears throat> I'm going to start with a few names, Chizo. The first one on my list is pretty much the the one that we start every podcast with. It's Lockie Whitfield, um, yep. still owned by a large chunk of the competition. Did go into a midfield role, which included CBAs this week, and had a massive second half. I feel like I'm on um, I feel like I'm on repeat. It's Groundhog Day again. He's had a massive second half to redeem what would have been an originally extremely poor score. Um, Whitfield owners are getting strung along with perfection. He's actually probably a hold again this week. What do you think of Whitfield? I might be harsher than you, so I'll let you speak on him first, but it's um, it's an interesting case for those who have held so far.
2: Nah, Whitfield in the bin.
1: In the bin. He's gone. That's it.
2: More props. Well, More. I'm just, I'm just improvising at this point. Um... I think it's one of those situations that because we're in the upgrade cadence now, JB, we can't be really wasting time trading dead rookies and sidewaysing semi-premium. Like, Whitfield averaging 85, even if he doesn't improve and his new role doesn't manufacture itself, you've probably got other things to worry about and you can come to him later. I I would prioritize the upgrade cadence at this point in time and push him to, like, D6 and... Uh, You know, with that DPP, maybe he becomes a defensive forward bench player, like swing loop thing. I'm not sure. Um, But later on down the track is when I'd be prioritizing him. But I still think at the end of the day, he's going to be in the bin.
1: Yeah, I do agree. So in 50% of his games this season, he's scored between 90 and 100. He's yet to turn this year. One of those 90 scores was against Adelaide in which he had three goals to get up to the 95 mark. He is obviously not going to be a successful premium this year. Do not expect to hear him in your top eight to 10 predictions for the defenders later on in the podcast. But essentially, he's got a break-in even of 64. He plays West Coast before his buy. Um, there's every chance he at least salvages a, a better score um, and a better price by the time you're looking to trade him out. But the round 12 buy, that that is primed for trading him out of um into someone who, who's um, yeah. also had the you know round 12 coming into 13 14 however you want to do it he i don't think he's going to be in many teams post by um but for now he's given you at least enough information that if gws are going to keep on experimenting he might be on the end of a good role for for three or even four quarters which could result in a better score
2: yeah, I, I don't want to be patient zero in their 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 experimentation at GWS. And, you know, he's going to be... I, I reckon he could be the first four DPP player by the end of the season, the amount of rotations into different roles they'd be giving him. And I just don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> he's
1: going to have tried DPP by the season. One hour. of
2: them's going to be bench. he might actually um, (laughs) have. he's an extra bench spot you can bench him him and still keep your other four
1: he'll get played in the ruck (laughs) Um, alright so the next guy I've got to discuss is Zach Butters Um, so how how do you want to do this do you want the microphone first because I've got something to say obviously
2: I watched him in person uh, for the first time JB and the thing that struck me is just he's a little man and I just feel like he's getting pushed around doesn't matter how many CBAs he gets, just the big boys just kind of out muscle him and he's just off playing with his own ball in the playground. Okay,
1: well, that's nonsense. <laughs> um, the, the, the real reason is okay, I'm going to start this off by saying.
2: Now, are these are these like excuses or are they explanations that, you know, help us differentiate between someone that sucks and someone that should come good?
1: Okay, I want. People listening to decide whether these are excuses that I'm making, yeah, or explanations as to, as to why he's scoring, how he is, and and whether he can bounce back. Because yep. I think a lot of people have already made up their mind on Zach Butters, which I think is fine. It's it's your team. A lot of this is making gut calls and and seeing what you see and making a decision based on that. Um, I think it's absolutely fine. And in that case, if if what I'm about to say. If, you, if you're sitting there shaking your head thinking, all right, this guy's just making excuses, whatever, trade him out, honestly. It, it gets to a point where you've got a player in your team. You don't believe in him. He continues to score poorly. You're just going to hate yourself for it. Just trade him out of your side. like I, I'm not, I'm not going to twist anyone's arm. He's obviously putting out poor scores. Um, I'm, I'm not here to say that he should be averaging 130. What I will say is round three against Adelaide after back-to-back 114 plus scores to start the season. Round three, he had the first two CBAs against Adelaide before Sam Powell Pepper, genuinely, like y- you would never see Butters stay down for more than two seconds. He knocked the wind out of him. And like I, I thought at the time, it was a potential broken rib. Um, he stayed on his haunches for about five minutes in the middle of the ground before like struggling all the way to the bench, staying on the bench for the- almost the entire first quarter, coming on late uh, and going forward protected heavily that game had a had one more cba for that half which was the very last cba in the second quarter and then went back to limited cbas in the second half so he lost his role that that game which look he scored 58 adelaide won the game um it, it, it was a bit of a sad affair but i i just think if we're gonna attribute anything to that score It's not that he's a bad player or that he didn't make the most of his CBAs. His role changed after the hit, and I think that is a reasonable explanation for his score. The week after, despite getting more CBAs as the game went on against Adelaide, the week after, he still didn't retain that CBA role. So After the first and second quarter against Melbourne, he'd only had a handful of CBAs. After halftime, he got thrown back in the CBAs. So we realized we weren't winning the midfield battle. We didn't need three absolute bulls in there. We threw butters in there, and he he was our best on in the second half. Um, redeemed a lot of his score, which would have been a lot worse if he stayed forward, and and still didn't score well, but came out with a 57. That could have been a lot worse. That, that game is a mixture of role and the fact that Port got absolutely belted. Then he came good against Carlton, scored 130. Against West Coast, really sad he left a good score on the table that game with Gastro, um, which we've seen affect multiple other players this season. Best tagger in the game. Best tagger in the game. No one has scored well with Gastro yet this year. Um, Against St. Kilda, he had about mid-80s at three-quarters. I don't know the exact number. Yeah, Um, yeah. Sat the the last couple of minutes of the third quarter and the first 12 minutes of the fourth quarter – because that ball, as you know, Chizo, yep. was stuck on the wing opposite the benches, playing, being kicked to kick from wing to wing, about 100 stoppages, no goals kicked. I don't know if there are any goals in that last quarter. Um, I can't remember. But essentially, he could not get back on the ground. When he came back on, he had a couple of impactful touches, finished on 89, um, fought against the scaling that he was suffering early in the quarter, um, left a big score on the table there as well. Pretty unlucky. Um, this week against the Bulldogs, he had a bad game. Absolutely poor game by his own admission. Has said so on radio already in SA. Um, Also gave away that stupid 50-meter penalty plus free kick. That was minus 11 uh, for going through the interchange too early. Very, very, very painful to get a minus 11 for an interchange infringement. Um, But that was him. So look, he had a bad game this week. If he has a bad game against North Melbourne, if he doesn't score 100 plus or at least 90 plus, I'm all on board with trading out Zach Butters. I I will not by that point think that he's a premium um, or at least not a top six to eight scorer. But when he bounces back this week against North Melbourne, I want everyone that has traded him and everyone that has talked down on him all week to acknowledge that maybe the reasoning leading up to it was the actual excuses for his poor scoring, and maybe they were valid. Um, all I'm trying to do is put a little bit of context into the scoring. Um, he could genuinely not be an option. He could he could score poorly again this weekend, and I'll be all on board with it. I don't think there's any benefit in trading someone out who's already lost 10k this year um, before a game against North Melbourne. And then um, after the game against Sri versus Richmond and Essen, who he's put up mammoth scores against um, before mm. as well. So, yeah. look, I, I'm, I'm preaching patience. A worst-case scenario, he's a traded his buy. I do not see the benefit in trading him this week.
2: Yeah. I'm just getting sick of these 50s, man. You, you can't yeah. play eight games as a premium and have four scores in the 50s and then have any confidence that he's gonna bounce back. <laughs> I, I'm I'm confident. Talk to me next week. If if this is,
1: if we're still having the same conversation next week, um I'll be on your side and and I'll argue against past JB. I, I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm not dying on the hill that Sackbutt is he's gonna bounce back guaranteed. Um he could be a bad pick, but we'll find that out this week. It's three of the four bad scores have had absolute normal reasoning to them. And then yeah. we're about to find out all about it this week uh, to see if he bounces back. So that's my butter spill. I, I think people are fine for trading him out this week. I just don't see the upside in trading him this week as opposed to in the next four weeks if we if we see continued bad form, which I don't
2: think we do. Okay. Well, I've got, uh, if I can throw another one back at you because you're in the zone right now. Yeah. Two other forwards that are vying to be called premiums or in the same boat of do we trade them out do we hold them brody and canelio uh we've talked about them a little bit in recent weeks what's your read on the likelihood of either of these guys being keepers
1: okay so i've got a confession i was trading will brody from about tuesday all the way through to about friday half an hour before the first bounce um, my reasoning was is that Brody was a cash cow. He just came off for of seventy five, um, and I needed Luke Parker. the The money that Brody was going to make, Parker was going to match. The scores might be similar for a couple more weeks, and then Five comes back, etc. Um, I had made that trade until someone in our Patreon, which is Al. Um, who had spoken to others, which I believe to be Maz and uh, Tony, who are all very good coaches, um, mentioned trading Canelio instead of Brody. Um, I don't think Brody, Canelio, Martin, Butters, etc., though pretty much those four, are all keepers. And they're all good players and they all have upside. Um, And they've all shown us good upside already this season. It is really hard to cut ties with these guys and it's hard to convince people to cut ties with these guys. I got it through my head that it was it was fine to do this week for Parker because he was a once in a season price and I didn't think I I'd, I'd get there again. Brody was the guy all week until people made me aware of uh, of Canelo. So Canelo had 5 CBAs in the 3 weeks prior to this week. This week he had 0 CBAs until the 4th quarter in which they threw him in there for, I think, two or three CBAs once the game was over. Um, and and you, you would have noticed Whitfield was in there as, as well. They were throwing everything at the dartboard to see if anything would stick. I think his role is especially bad. Um, bad to the point where he should have scored in the 60s for this week if he didn't have a couple of um, influential, not lucky touches because he's a good player, but um, pretty much he, his score was on a knife's edge between between 55 and 70 this week. Um he did not look like exploding. He needed three goals against Adelaide for his 108. Um, I'm convinced that Canelio is a stepping stone. Brody, on the other hand, what do Fremantle do with Chizo? In your opinion, Brody who's had like the easily the best season of his career, he's racking up 35 plus disposal some games. If you're Fremantle, you probably didn't expect this. You expected this guy to be in and out through the VFL, sorry, the waffle, um, and just doing his own thing, coming in and out. He's still going to have low time and ground. Fife's going to come back. But he's easily that one of their top three midfielders with Fife back. Easily yep. now, right?
2: Yeah. And let me ask you this. Which one of those two would you prefer spending portions of the game forward?
1: Probably Brody. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. I mean, neither. But um, no, you... he's
2: had he's had sixty seven percent time on ground and got thirty seven <laughs> touches. JB, it it, it seems to Wait, me. Did you
1: mean Brody or Fife?
2: Yeah, I thought you meant
1: Brody and canelio and I was like, they're not on the know, same guess... team, bro. Well, that's that's why I was confused. That's why I thought you meant. Okay, anyway, Mate, go on. Get yeah, on my level. Fife get obviously. On my Fife level.
2: Obviously. Um, And so, yes, he's going to come in and he's going to have some CBAs. And will it impact Brody? Like, his time on ground can't go down, sure. It
1: can't go go down.
2: It genuinely can't. He's only on the field for two quarters out of a game at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. But he just racks it up. You know, like, I I think... We need a few weeks once Fife comes back to see a trend, but I think Will Brody has proven to this point in the season that he's an essential cog in that midfield. We know he's not a breakaway from the pack. He's a scoop it from in and out and under and that kind of stuff. So, um, I, like, Fife will come back. He'll get worked into the team. He won't just, like, be in 90% of CBA straight away. Will Brody's scoring be impact? I think almost certainly. But at this point in time until we have some data points, we have to assume what we're seeing is the real deal. Whereas, you know, he, he has the role, he has the numbers on the board and he's only really getting better in recent weeks. If You know, I, I, I'm leaning more towards he will end up being like an F6 and will be totally happy with someone like that. Um, whereas I think with Cornelio, the role's not there, the team's not there, they're experimenting with literally everyone. Um and we got him as a stepping stone with the outside chance of him being being a keeper, we now know that he's not. I think that's a really straightforward decision.
1: Yeah, so I think I think you just pretty much switched them in your mind. We we thought Cogs was a, a good chance of being a keeper even at some points. Yeah. Um and Brody was always going to be a stepping stone until Fife came back. I think they've just switched now. I think Brody's very likely to be a keeper at this point. I think Cogs is unlikely, if not it like guaranteed he's not going to be. Um, so let me ask you, Canelio's break even is eighty six this week. Yeah, um, I I'm happy with people holding Cornelio. I think that a lot of people have bigger issues, and it's not like he hasn't scored eighty six in this forward roll before. His mm-hmm. three scores prior to this week were 96, 91 and one hundred and eight. Um, like he's he's not a pressing issue, but if he was part of a boost in which he went two up, one down, um, would you have any? any complaints about trading Canelio this week? Not at all.
2: No, no right. neither. If if I mean, I traded him last situation. week.
1: I'm happy.
2: Yeah. I, I'm, oh, you just I'm wanted vindication. I see condition. how it is. Okay. okay no, okay. I, I can get my own. Don't <laughs> worry. I can, that's it. I'll always
1: get my own. i always get my own. Um, look, he's made 190K. His break-even 86, like I said. Um, he, they've got Carlton this week. I don't... It's... It's hard to say it's matchup dependent because I don't think it is. They've got West Coast and Brisbane going into their buy. Um, I think I don't think many people are going to own him coming out of that buy. I don't think many high-ranking, serious coaches are going to own Cornelio coming out of that buy. So I think any time before that buy that you choose to get rid of him, when it works for your team, I think he's absolutely okay. But yeah. I would not be getting rid of Brody.
2: So let me throw a scenario at you. Are, are you contemplating like, say, Cornelio, Dacos and Horn Francis out and then doing a two-up, one-down, like a, a Tim English, Sam Doherty and, and a, a Cooper Hamilton sort of situation.
1: I literally traded those three out last week. Yep. Those exact three players and got Parker, Crisp and... Um, who was the rookie that I got last week? Um, McCoom. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Parker, Crisp, McCoom for Dacos, JHF and Canelo and I don't think I don't even think JHF is a must trade out I don't think Cornelio, uh, Dacos is a must trade out either um neither to do, do with Canelo but it got me two upgrades on field it got two rookies off field that I that I was formerly having there um it, it's it's just I think trades like that are about two or 3 weeks ahead of what players who fall in love with these types of picks are going to do before they realize? Oh no, Canelo's put out five sub tons out of his last eight, and all of a sudden he's not the F six that I thought he was going to be. And we're going to go through our top eight later. Look, the forward line isn't stacked, but there are definitely players that will put points on Canulio in the next month. Um, and I think you just want to you just want to be ahead of that rather than behind it. Yeah. Cool. Um, the last guy on my list here is Matty Rau. So um, he sort of fits this mold as well. He, he's had three scores in a row. I think the difference between Rao is no one thinks he's a keeper. He, he's had 103, 99, 88 in his last three. He's got Fremantle, Bulldogs, Hawthorne, North Melbourne leading up to his buy. He is the absolute perfect candidate if you didn't start someone like Jack Steele to wait until he has his buy and then trade to Jack Steele coming off of his buy. I, I haven't really looked into what other players that works for. Um, but I think the, the most beneficial part of Matt Rao is anyone getting steel coming off of his buy at a, at a low price is trying to scrounge up the money between two or three good cash cows. Um, whereas Rao, he's going to be about 460k at that point. Um, he's probably going to cost you 150k to go up to steel. So he's a one up, one down. He's the most helpful player for that. I would not under any circumstance. Unless he gets injured in that time, move him on um, before that that task is met.
2: Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with that. I think um, we had high hopes in the preseason, and then we saw a little bit of a role shift, and and yeah, I think I think it's just the the fact that he's only played like ten games leading to the season is just certainly um, we're we're probably a season ahead of where we ex- we just the excitement got to us as coaches. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, and particularly round one scared us all into thinking, oh, God, we cannot miss out on this. Um, and again, much like the Whitfield scenario, and, and even Canelio for, for, for that matter, um, if you're primed to kind of upgrade these guys or if you have a, a plan to upgrade them, that's great. But a lot of the times these guys are not your most pressing issue. It's usually getting some really dud rookies off, off field so you don't end up with Ben Hobbs 13 consistently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and they missing his 93. Um Yes. <laughs> we
2: made direct eye contact just then.
1: Yeah, yeah I looked into your so a little bit. So <laughs> um apologies for that. I'm going to All right, so that that's that's good discussion regarding those players. Just to, let's take a step down from those guys a little bit. Nick Martin, Josh Gibkiss, um these types of guys who also I think a lot of people are falling in love with making us a lot of money. Um, Nick Martin has at least two weeks of money making to make. Let me look at his projections. Uh, so he's he's obviously he's gonna make about 25k this week, and then if he keeps going around 90, 90 plus, he's gonna keep on making about 10k. Um, but pretty much unless you're scoring the big tons um, to spruce it up, which uh, he's only had two tons this year. One was in round one, one was uh the week before last, 106. Unless you're getting those consistently, you're pretty much hovering around 450, 460k, and that's that's about your max. So, um, if we think that after his price rise this coming week, which take him out to 405k, um, if we think he's about not done with cash making, there's still 40k that you could probably squeeze out of him um, up until his buy. I think next week with Tim English coming back this week. Um, I think a player like Nick Martin who's, got, who's only going to be 160k away from Tim English is the perfect player to, to move up. These expensive premiums who are like uber, uber, top echelon of their line are so difficult to get with your mere mortal rookies. You have to have someone like Nick Martin, someone like Canelio, who I think a lot of people will plan for as well, um, to go up to these types. I'm fine with trading Nick Martin after this week. Um, yeah. As well as I'm fine with training Gibkes because this week or next, as well, um, despite their uptick in scoring. I, I just, it's pretty much just a public service announcement to say it's okay to change rookies. Even if they're good and they're scoring well, Tim English is going to put 15 points per game on Nick Martin um, yeah. with ease, maybe more. So y- you just have to think of the upgrade.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think um just like looking at the averages they're all sort of in the ballpark the Brodies, is Canelio Butters and Martin and, and these kind of guys but i think the expectation for a lot of those guys is certainly higher and the ceiling of expectation is higher than what Martin is he is yeah. probably one one like he's obviously one of our best rookies this year but that's what he is he's a cash cow he's a rookie and we need to treat him as such and as nice as it is to see him going 90 Again, he's probably not your most pressing issue. It's unlikely he's going to drop a 30 and just like completely destroy his cash generation and then suddenly is a like an urgent issue that you've got to deal with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a nice thing uh, thing to think about. Um, but once he works into your plan, someone presents himself like a Tim English. Maybe they, you know, they play with Steph Martin this week, um, for example, and just kind of slowly bring him in, particularly with Collingwood, who have been going that pretty be tall this amazing, year. amazing, by the way. Yeah, he pops out at 80, just has like a negative break even. And then, you know, as Martin's topping out in a week or a fortnight, um, that's like a, a really easy swap.
1: Yeah. Um, no, perfectly said. If if English can play with Steph this week um, and just put out like a, a humble low ton before Martin's dropped next week, um, I think then Nick Martin to to English becomes probably the most appealing trade of the entire game. Um, it, I just struggle to to find ways to these top guys without burning top guys, and we're just not going to keep Martin for the entire season. Uh, people yeah. just need to cut the umbilical cord at some point and realize that. Um, although these, these <laughs> sorry, you're half got me. Then. Although these rookies have been an absolute godsend, um, and we've probably had better cash gen this year than most of the years that I can think of. It, it time it comes a time where the the most pressing issue in your team isn't who's currently in your team, it's who's not in your team. Yeah. Um, And and you've got to start making moves to to make sure that you can get those guys in. Um, All right, so, now let's quickly talk about some downgrade targets. There are three important ones this week, um, sorry, four important ones this week that you could potentially go on, um, with a fifth being uh, potentially going early on Clark. So, let's just quickly discuss, um, I don't know how much footy you saw from three of these four this week. I'm going to start off with Carroll. Plays for Carlton, obviously. Got a few CBAs. Looks good in the CBAs, by the way. Um, And got a bit of wing role as well. My biggest concern is without Hewitt. um, Not that he'll get dropped. I think he's probably short up the position for a couple more weeks at least. But at the very least, the role will will just be minimized a little bit. Um, A little bit more wing time. Probably a bit more bench. Maybe some half-forward action. Um, I, I just think it's a matter of time before he starts scoring poorly and a matter of time after that before he gets dropped until like until he works his way into that midfield for real um i'm not sure he has um what it takes to to be a super coach option
2: yeah look we saw first week being a Carol was was really quite good um and he saw this the scoring prowess that he can have gets up the ground a little bit i, I think Yeah, I I think particularly when Hewitt comes back, it's going to force him more forward and then whether he has the potential to to keep that scoring up or whether he turns into another Corey Durden, for example, um, is probably more likely than than unlikely. So, you know, even if he, he is kind of working his way. and the, the, the comments uh, from Carlton have been that they're really positive and really happy that, he, that he's in the side and the, the way that he's performing and his attack on the footy and things like that. So um, it's definitely not a terrible option if you are looking for a downgrade. Uh, he's probably not first on the list for me.
1: Not first for me either. We are going to do a bit of a ranking um, at the end, but um, next is uh, Stranatica. So this is essentially talking to the players that don't have one of, I guess, Gorn or Proust are probably the, the two important ones that people might be missing. Um, so they've got like a in at R3. Um, what are your thoughts on Stranatica? You actually are someone who does yep. have um, a, an option to get another R3. What are your thoughts? If he's named this week, obviously they've got ruck um, woes coming out of their ears. They're going to have at least um, a couple of months without um, a, a proper number one ruck returning to the side. Is he hot on your list?
2: Uh, he's certainly high on my list, just for the fact of um, getting Dixon out. Like it's, uh, I think Dixon spent. I think the the news that's come out in the last twenty four hours is uh, I'm not expecting to see him back at any point in time. Um, we can cash in cash in that money from him and and move on. Um, I think the thing for me is I I remember early in the week we thought he was in the H and S protocol, um, and then he wasn't officially named, but I think he was still under kind of like a, I guess a gastro or a sickness cloud or a flu or something like that. JB he, is it? He
1: did I, get marked as missing with S in the end. Um, oh, okay. The
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, he's, he's probably first on my list just for the, the flexibility that it gives me, I think with the other, the rookies for me personally, and not everyone's going to be in the same situation as me. And so my ranking is, is obviously going to bias biased to, towards what sort of helps me a little bit. Um, I'm never going to be playing him on field and so I'm basically banking that cash and getting someone super cheap um, in R3 and it doesn't really worry me if he's going to be um, you know, available from, from week to week to week. I'd, I'd love him to be a good cash cow but um, I think the, the, the fact that I've got to play any other rookie almost on field uh, in my side is, is kind of what leans me towards him being my, my downgrade because he, he services multiple options for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty well assessed. If if you have the availability for Strenautica, I think um he's probably gonna be most people's top option, um, with the availability. I wouldn't be moving anything around to get Strenautica in, no. but um no, he, he feels a need that I think a lot of players with Dixon R3 are going to have. Um so it is pretty much a match made in heaven for those guys. Um next is Hamilton. I think it's Cooper Hamilton, is yeah, the Greg. universe lad. Um, so he looks brilliant in the first half last week. Um, I think it was up to about 40 or high thirties at halftime. Um, and then just faded out. So he's a small defender essentially, and, um, real lively, good tackler, um, good ball use. He, he's a good player, but it's back to back weeks. he's sort of had a, a fade out in, into the second half. I think he holds his spot. Um, he's a 102 K forward mid. So I think the DPP is also handy. I just don't know if he can keep up the fifty plus scores. I, th- I think he's probably going to be. I think he has like a sixty, sixty five in him. I also think he's got a couple of forty fives in him. So he's an interesting case. Um, I think I'd have him. Spoilers. I think I'd probably have him third on my list. So yeah. Um. Essentially, I'm not getting him for any, like in any scenario unless I'm triple downing, which I would not recommend doing. So yeah. Um, uh, I think he looks good, though. Uh, like it's it's kind of unfortunate with his role. I think if he had a slightly better yeah, role,
2: you fit you fit the nail on the head. The, the The role is he's basically playing as a small lockdown, so it, it's not like a Gibkiss that's also occasionally getting like an intercept or something like that as a, a, a bit of a taller lockdown defender. So, um, he, his ceiling is going to be lower. Whether the DPP helps you or not, um, only you can decide. But he he's doing all the right things. He's got really good time on ground, um. You could definitely do worse. But, you know, GWS are throwing the magnets around. He could be a small forward this week for all we know. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, genuinely, it wouldn't shock me to see him in the first CBO next week. Um, <laughs> then, then we've got Whitfield rucking. Um, so, uh, Rioli. Rioli Jr. is the next one. Um, Back-to-back good scores. I do not think he's going to be a consistently good scorer. I also don't think we're going to see him in the VFL for at least a few weeks. Um, he's good. He's a pressure forward. He, he gets amongst the goals. I think just the the, the goal sense itself, um, it's kind of like what we spoke about Rose's early days. It's good to have good goal sense. It, it gets the, the score ticking over. But as we've seen with someone with Rochelle's talent so far, um, those guys who rely on goals just sometimes don't put it together in a match. Um, so every match that he goes goalless, you could probably expect a 40 or 50. So um, I think he's going to be up and down, but I do think he's got the best job security. Um, so that puts him quite high in my ranking. Do you disagree before we start actually flicking through those rankings?
2: No, not at all. I absolutely agree with that. The, the thing that he's also got is he's got DPP and he didn't even kick a goal this week. So the thing that differentiates him from someone like a Rochelle is that he's more of a, you know, your, your, your fast um, pressure, forward tackler, hunting yeah. the ball. You know, a lot of pressure acts even if he doesn't get a statistic for it. So um, he, he only went at 57 by foot this week and he still put up a 70 without a goal, which means he's doing multiple things uh, for the team. And he's had eight... Um, cont- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. possessions from his 14 disposal. so he's hard at it he's in and under he's putting pressure in the forward line and we know that's what richmond's brand was built on since like 2016 2017 whenever they started their run and i think for that reason he's going to be becoming sort of dimmer's favorite forward and that's going to just that, that's the part of me that thinks oh this guy's got job security like above everyone else because I know that's Richmond's brand. Um, yeah. And if he can keep doing that, they don't really need him to be kicking bags of goals because his his um, his pressure is complemented by other players in their forward line benefiting by getting the ball and kicking the goals from his tackling.
1: So we've discussed Greg Clark endlessly already on this podcast because it feels Who? like forever since... Um, is it Greg? Yeah, it's Greg <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Never heard um, I thought I messed up his first name. I thought it was like Gerald or something. I was I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, he's like the only Greg in the AFL history pretty much. Um, so <laughs> can I just get you to rank? Should I rank mine first? What, do, what Yeah,
2: do you think? go for it. Then I can copy. All
1: right. All right so I'm going to start with uh, Stranatica as number one ranking. Obviously, that's going to be team dependent. If you can get him, get him. If not, then obviously it is what it is. Number two, I've got Rioli personally. I think just the the job security and the scoring potential that he's shown so far with or without goals um, is enough to put him in a lot of teams' considerations. Number three, I've got going early on Clark, um, just his job security as well. His scoring potential is through the roof, and we should have a couple of guys to look at next week with Cooper Stevens and um, Karmis for uh, the Bulldogs coming through potentially. Next, I've got Hamilton, and then after that, I've got Carroll. Just, just for either job security issues or scoring potential issues, they're one of each there. So, um, how would you go with your list? Is that any different?
2: I like it. I think I'd probably if I'm doing for for me, that's a really good list for my personal setup. I think more people are going to benefit from Rioli given his DPP. Um, yeah, for to, sure. To be able to use him as a downgrade option in multiple uh, multiple lines, I think uh, if I um, if I had to guess. Um, I think that um, Stranatico would be second just because of the location you can get him. You're usually cashing out someone that's made a bit of money and he's going to help um, a transition that straight onto the field as opposed to a rookie that you now have to play on the field potentially. Um, I would probably put another downgrade option ahead of Clark just because it's one of those situations where... Um, the difference that you're probably going to get from having Clark on field is maybe 30 points. The risk of going early on him again—I mean, you can't—it's you can't get COVID again that that quickly. But maybe there's some after effects. Um, they obviously haven't been out of exercise for a week. They've been locked up in isolation and stuff like that. So it it just seems like a really easy option for me to say, you know what, wait till he's on his bubble. You know, like we we saw him go 100 before he had COVID. Who knows what the after-effects are going to be. You could end up with the strategy of playing him on field, expecting another ton from him, and, you know, McComb outscores him by 10 points, and you're like, well, why did I go early? Um, So I I would probably preference in, like, another downgrade, like a, a Carroll or a Hamilton and then Clark, just personal preference.
1: Yeah. I think I think it's wise to. <laughs> that was a big people. big inspiration. No, 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 I think it's wise to advise people not to go early on people. I'm still taking Clark over those lads, but that's um, I suppose that's just my more so risk adverse behaviour this year that I've been practicing. So, um, all right, let's jump over to the. We've got some rankings, so we've got defense, midfield, and uh, forward. We're probably not going to discuss it too much, but a couple of players will warrant just short discussions um who do you, do you want to start do you want me to start we're gonna we're gonna start in defense yeah. obviously all right um, what do you reckon all right i can you read out a name and if i agree I'll, I'll chop in and um and we can just agree and shake hands and we can talk about them otherwise we'll, we'll have a discussion
2: all right i got tier one i've got shorty yes
1: so short absolutely locked in for tier one 560k break even of 66. If you don't have short, which 60% of teams don't, um, you're looking at a very, very, very quick ticking clock. If he's prod 122 comes through, he's up to 585k. You probably need to get short this week if, if you don't have him. Otherwise, you might be waiting for him to drop down a little bit. So um, just at those, Tristan next time. Yeah, no, he has him now. Tristan has Shorty. Oh, oh, he's pulled the he, he pin. Got in, he got him this week. Um, but seriously, sure, I think brilliant option, clear tier one. Um, clear tier one option, hundred percent. Yeah, Stewart. Stuart, also in my clear tier one options. Um, so Stuart, as I look up his name, I think he went up to about six hundred and nine k. Yes, he did. Um, so, his projection is 115 for a break even of 94. That's with a huge 187 in his score. A 74 is pretty much going to sort of push that out next week. So, expect him to have a break even um, of around 170 <laughs> next week, um, even with a 115. So, he's going to drop in price, probably only just dip under 600k. Um, in my opinion, it's probably unlikely anyone who doesn't own him now. Um, get him for a reasonable price we might be looking to get a bit fancy with that spot um, yeah. and, and passing up on Stewart but he's obviously um, he's obviously a, a top tier option as well
2: yeah Georgie Hewitt is third for me
1: yep George Hewitt also in my top um, I think I've got like I've got it broken down into top like five and there's a bunch of options but yeah he's definitely my top five as well uh, 536k if he plays this week, another one with a lowish break-even. I know he's coming off a calf issue. Um, even if he's selected this week, I think I'd get him in. Um, you're probably getting him at, at the cheapest that he's going to be uh, for the entire season still from this point. So, um, George, you got another great one.
2: All right, next I've got Doherty.
1: Doherty is fun, isn't he? Um, So, he, he has a break-even of around 120-plus, um, it's a 100, wait, yeah, 122. Um, but he's pretty much turning them out each week. He's 562k, not harsh. Um, he's not amazing value, but it's it's not a harsh price either. Um, he is just going to be a good pick. He's going to be a really good selection this year. Probably going to play 22. Like like I mean, I say that with a bit of hopefulness, but he's obviously had the battles uh, in the last few years, and, and we hope that that's behind him. We assume that that's behind him. If so, he's generally not injury-prone after the ACL injury that he had a few years ago. Um, I think he's going to be clearly in the top five defenders uh, and a really good purchase.
2: Yeah, and I simply think that the thing that attracts me to him is he doesn't rely on kick-ins. He's averaging like not even two a game. I don't think he's averaging. So No, he's
1: just, yeah, he's he's not even seagulling. No. Um, he's just their best outlet and he, he's the one of their best players. It's unreal, the, the turnaround this year.
2: Yeah. Um, and then this was really difficult, uh, difficult to like... I feel like those four are really, really easily the top four for me. And then there's almost like a tier 1A that has Crisp and Sicily in it. But they're very, very close to being in the top tier.
0: Okay.
1: Um I've yeah, I've got Crisp with the top five. Um mostly because even with a couple of those games that he ended up scoring low tons for, um, he threatened like one fifties. So he's only had the one bad game against St Kilda. Everything else has been um eighty five plus with with the eighty five standing out as the only other sub ton, by the way. Um, but he hasn't shown the ceiling as much, besides a few games. I think that's going to start coming into it a lot. Um, I think he's going to string full quarter, four quarter performances together, and and really flex that ceiling. So he's definitely in mind as well. He's five hundred and sixty k as well as as Doherty, Break even of hundred and four. Another guy who, he's just going to stay around this price. Um, but he's 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 a great buy every week that you can get him. Yeah. Um, so he, he and Doherty, I think. are... Amazing buyers this week, Sicily. Right. On the other hand, yeah, so he's 570k. I'm not convinced that that's great value for Sicily. I wonder, uh, on your opinion here, so 84 break even, he, he's had a really good, I mean, year of football so far. He's only had the one sub ton. His role is quite disgusting when it comes to these scores. I do not understand how he's churning out these scores. Obviously, he's just a superstar and he's a good player. Um, but 570K, I feel like he's not adverse to a poor score. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd rather either wait for that or get someone that's better value um, yeah. at
2: this point. I, th- I think the thing for me is that I sort of have enough data points to confidently project that this is what he, he's going to do for the Romance, like yeah, where, yeah. where his baseline is. I think the other thing that I see with the Hawks is they quite often put him on... Like a non-threatening tall, like for example, um, who was he on? He could have he gone on, to anyone uh, in Essendon this week. Yeah, yeah. He was on. Um, he was on Franger. So he was on Aaron Francis this week, which is like as a forward for the Bombers, he's basically playing free. Like <laughs> he's not even playing lockdown. <laughs> yeah, he can, yeah. he can just cruise around, and they've got the 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 other defensive options um, that can play hard lockdown, and he doesn't. You know doesn't really have to Um, so I think that sort of benefits him if they have like a big injury for example um, you know like Sam Frost was out for the year after his knock or something like that um, that would change things up because he's now suddenly more accountable Um, but as it stands you know he's also getting a a nice chunk of kick-ins and stuff as well like I think the floor is quite good as much as I am still worried he's about to punch someone if he gets mad halfway through the third quarter (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah I'm I'm not so concerned about that I, I think it's just re- returning from the ACL the, the risk that that still provides I think at the start of the season purchasing about um, 400k 450k unbelievable purchase at this point you're, you're buying a lot of risk from the ACL but it's not costing you a lot yeah. at the moment it's costing you 570k he still has a little bit of injury risk a little bit of flare risk um, and look i know his scoring is absolutely except as in punching someone
2: yeah no i like um, that Flair risk. let's make that a thing
1: <laughs> yeah I, I thank you pat and penning. um he's also got i think the floor for me should exist and i know we haven't seen it yet but realistically it should be there i just think he's he's going to be cheaper sometime in the next month I, I don't know that that might be wishful thinking but I think if, if he's not cheaper, I'd rather buy one of the guys that we're about to read out that's sort of on the outside looking in rather than Sicily for 570. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let, let's let's go through the next couple.
2: Okay, so what have I got there? I think that's six. Uh, my seventh yep. of the top eight defenders was Pendles.
1: Okay, so I have Pendles in my um, outside the seven, in my unlucky omissions.
2: I'm, I'm going to be the
1: one going out in a limb. Really? I'll go for it. Go for it. Have you got...
2: Well, no, I just... I I like the consistency you get with Pendles. I am a little concerned that in the last three weeks, he's dipped from an average of 50% CBAs and still managed to get DPP somehow. Um, In the subsequent three weeks, he went 32%, 9%, and then didn't have a CBA this week. Let me just... uh, Double check that. Yeah, he didn't didn't have a, a single centre-bounce attendance this week and still put up a 97. So, yes, that, that scares me and that concerns me a little bit. Um, but I think the consistency that we're going to get from him now, he does have DPP, has kind of washed away any of the fears I had in pre-season when people were asking, should we start Pendles as a little bit underpriced knowing he's going to get DPP? And I was sitting on the fence like, oh, you know, anything could happen. Let's just wait and see if he gets it first. Um as like I, I have confidence that he's going to return at some point to getting those CBAs. Um, but we know with the player that he is, he's going to be really consistent. He's going to be really impactful no matter where he plays. So I think the chances of him kind of having a really suddenly low floor if he does play across halfback permanently is like really really small.
1: So I agree. I think his floor is 85-plus, is and I think we've already seen that this year. His lowest score against was against Akira was 87 in round one. Since then, he's gone 97 and above for every other game. I think that is his floor. I think he's adequately priced, and he's going to struggle to price anyone out because um, he he does have that still ability to, to score a low ton or, or a high 90, um, He's not going to consistently train out one, 110 and 115 pluses, but he does have that ability also. So, um, yeah, I think he sort of, he, he just toes that line really well. I think there are going to be better picks, but there, I don't know if there are going to be more convenient picks at, at the time of, of making a selection. Yeah. Um. So, look, I, I think it's really interesting. I wouldn't talk anyone off of Pendle's. Um, if Pendles went on a string of one ten straight games, like as in a string of games where he scored one ten for about five weeks, I wouldn't be shocked either. So yeah, um, I do think he's a great buy. I just think people are going to slightly edge him, and uh, people people tell me I'm crazy for this, but is he not like subject to an old man rest at some point?
2: Uh, pff, probably
1: maybe. not with his role, I guess. But no.
2: Like, I would I, I wouldn't necessarily jump out. I I think I think the the thing for me is that his role changes a little bit from week to week like That's good th-
1: though. No, no, his role is really good. Like it's it's defense for 3 quarters and then if they have a chance of winning it's midfield for the last quarter and that's like perfect.
2: Yeah. And he's he's going to have super consistent disposal counts. He's going to average 25-26 touches for the entire year. That's going to be awesome. Um I think I just want to see more of round two pendles, and that's when he had 50% CBAs, and he also had the most kickouts for the game. I th- oh, that's the pendles I want. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that the
1: that's that's the mark right there. Um, who was your last guy that you had in?
2: My last guy, bit of a flyer. I mean, not really a flyer because he's, he has been flying this year, and that's Witherden.
1: Yeah, so I've got Witherden as well. I've got him as the guy most likely to fall out of the top eight. Yeah. um, yeah. But he's in there at the moment just mostly out of respect for what he's done so far this year. Um, 593k, the problem with Witherden is he's just absolutely an awful buy. Um, If you're buying him at 590k, there are just so many good options elsewhere. Yeah. Um, You're turning down someone for probably 70k cheaper. Um, That's probably... He's going to get close to matching the output. So... The the main thing I want to advise with defense is there are one, two, three, four, five guys that I've got written down here um, that you don't have in your top eight. Only one of them is in my top eight. The rest of them are just unlucky omissions that are all going to be cheaper and within five points of number eight, in my opinion. Um, So you, you pretty much, this is, I think defense is a little bit of value hunting, um, there are going to be a lot of names that I'm about to run through a few of them now. They're about to hit pretty good value spots um, in the season. And if it's this week or next week that you're looking to upgrade in defense, it, it just, it's going to suit you so much more than a Witherden or a Stewart this, this next coming weeks. So um, the guy that I have written down here that you didn't include um, is Dane Zorko. Oh, so,
2: oh that's an old um, man rest if I ever heard one it might be it might be
1: so he's gone back to his um, more so sort of midfield role <laughs> um, in his last four four weeks he's had 133 against Collingwood 73 against Gold Coast 120 against Sydney and now 123 against West Coast um, talk about high ceiling options yeah. I, I know he's had his struggles with uh, an Achilles I know he's had all sorts of issues uh, throughout probably the last eight months probably he's He's previously been really durable, but um, it seems to be catching up to him a little bit. But he still hasn't missed a game this season. Uh, so he's played every single week. He did get subbed out round one against Port, um, but he played the following week. So he, he's yet to miss a game. His break-even is 60. Um, he's priced at 522k, 70k cheaper than Witherden. This is the type of guy that I'm looking at to, to purchase this week. Uh, and, and the type of guy that I think can at the very least if he's not in the top 8 where I've got him um, he could be within 3 or 4 points of whoever is in 8th place
2: yeah 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 I agree so so it sounds um, like our 8 was pretty similar apart from towards the end there yeah
1: yeah 7 of the same so um, I think our our unlucky omissions are all going to be similar as well so Another guy who I think is going to be unbelievable value, Sinclair, uh, Jack Sinclair, has had two sub-tons, one against Port, who restricts defenders, one against Melbourne, who you guessed that restricts pretty much everyone. Um, So 85-83, they're his first two sub-tons of the season. Everything else has been over 100. And in both games, he looked like tonning. um, But just as the game went on, it just got worse and worse for the opposition facing them support got more restrictive there was no goals kicked etc um that wasn't free flowing and melbourne just you know sort of ran over the top a little bit so um he's had two unlucky scores he's got a break even of 147 he's going to be about 510k he might be one of the best buys of the season in defense
2: yeah yeah i i tend to agree i think um the thing for me with sinclair is that I just there's just this nagging part of me that just doesn't believe it's real. I, I can't I can't put my finger on why and specifically tell you that it's not going to happen. Um, I just I just get this feeling that he's not an in, a super integral part of any particular line for the Saints. He's just sort of a kind of like a, a floater or a swing that. Just kind of roams around the ground, unaccountable, and just kind of racks up touches and stuff that way. Um,
1: he's been really good this he year. He has been. I,
2: you know, really I'm I, I'm really struggling to put into words as to why I'm just trying to justify why he's not in my top eight. Um, and there's definitely some confirmation bias in this for me. Like I absolutely admit that that the fact that I see the those two 80s, I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. This is this is what I was sort of expecting. Um, and there's definitely bias playing into that, and I'm probably wrong, but I, I, that's sort of my thinking about why he didn't come from. Because the way that he started the season, it's like, why wouldn't you have him in your top four?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, I guess he's shown his flaw, but it's the same flaw as Pendles, um, as we discussed earlier. So, yeah. Um, their scoring has pretty much been identical this year, but just in different rounds. Um, and because. Sinclair has happened in back to back weeks. It looks a little worse, but um, really unlucky with opposition or lucky for us. So um, I think we see how he bounces back this week and he could be a really good purchase next week. Um, Look, the other guys that I've got here, we won't talk much about. So Daniel Rich has been up and down this year. I think he can threaten for that, but he's just not a purchase at this point in time. Probably not for at least a couple of weeks. He really needs to show that his scoring is back to normal, which. I don't think it is um, after a good game against West Coast. So um, another option is Aaron Hall. Um, He's only on the outside looking in because he probably doesn't play every game on the run home, even if he does come back from the hammy uh, in the next couple of weeks. So he's just really difficult to, to sort of peg in for... For playing enough games to really qualify, and then lastly, I've got here, and this just goes to show the volume of defenders that are looking really good this year. Jordan Dawson, five hundred and nineteen k, seventy five break even. Um, so he has turned up three times now, but has only scored below ninety four once. Yeah. Um, for an eighty one, so super consistent, peppering around the the ninety four to one hundred and one mark. Um, that's where most of his scores have fallen. Look, I think he's got potential to, to go 100 flat, but I don't see 105 to 110
2: in Dawson. Yeah. I think I sort of bunched these guys all together, the the Sinclairs, Dale, Houston, um, I, I guess Dawson as well, Hall and Rich. Like it, uh, Even Jake Lloyd, if he finally pulls his finger out and, and and starts getting his share down the back again, all of these guys kind of go anywhere between 95 and 105 uh, but yeah. they, they they don't clearly stand out to me that I, I'm like um, you know I saw that 70 from Jack Steele um, this week and I'm like okay cool I need to remember that in this round in the future that I'm going to be planning to get him you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying to pick him off when he's cheap. I'm not seeing myself do it with those guys, but I would definitely do it with like someone like a Tom Stewart or a George Hewitt or a Doherty if they, they put out a relatively low score like that. That would be straight on my radar. Just not so much with the, the later guys that we've mentioned, and that's what sort of differentiates them for me. Not that they're bad this year per se, but um, they're not as high on that watch list. Let's go through the midfield. Cool. I think the first six are really straightforward.
1: Yeah, just, just read all right, all right. read them out individually. I don't yep. have a lot to say for a lot of them. But. Yeah.
2: Neil, McRae, Cripps, Took, Steele, Oliver.
1: That was not individually. Um, all right, so Neil definitely uh, in there. Obviously, it goes without saying. Most people own him already. Otherwise, get him in. What are you doing? Oliver, just on the up now in price, probably going to drop a little bit in the next few weeks, uh, just naturally back to like 650K. If you... Don't have him now. You're probably waiting for a couple of low tons in a row to try and get on him. Um, otherwise, you might just have to f- cop it at, ju- at the buy. Um, McRae is kind of the same. He had He's had his price drop now. His break-even is 135, which is well within his grasp. Um, he's 630K. If you don't have McRae this week or next week, other weeks to get him, plan for that. Make sure you get him in. He's going to be a top three scorer. Um, Took Miller, super important. Um, he's actually got a break in of, of 73. He's 608K, started the, the season well in the first two weeks, now has bounced back after his poor two or three weeks between uh, and has had two massive scores in between. He's in both of our top sixes um, with space on 7, 8, 9, et cetera. So yeah. um, if you don't have him for 608K, he's one of the best buyers in the game at the moment. Patrick Cripps, if you don't have him, um, 580k, he's a better buy than Took. Um, his break-even is 50. He's going to be in the top three scorers in the entire game, which is unbelievable from for where he's come from. Yeah. Um, but he's an absolute lock as well. And then lastly, Jack Steele, he mentioned um, 75 this week. Prime, prime, prime upgrade after his buy. So, you don't need to jump on now. He's going to shed at least 20, 30K um, and then he's going to come to his buy. He's going to be about. He's, he's probably getting at one increase right before his buy. Hopefully go up to about a 610, 615K um, and that's prime. That is an amazing price for Jack Steel. Um, there was a time there where I thought I'd be spending 660K after his buy. So another must get and, and someone that you,
2: you need to be planning for. Yeah. Okay. So they were the first six. My next three, I think are in tier two and they're, yep. they're Parish. And these are in order for me. Uh, the rest yep. of them haven't been in order, but these three specifically, Parish. Um, I think that he's been peppering, you know, he's, he's averaging 115. And we've really been waiting for Essendon has sort of turned the form corner, and he's been averaging mid thirty disposals. He's been playing really, really well. Essendon just have not been getting their share of the pie. He's averaging one hundred and thirty in the two wins that they have. Um, they have one and only one hundred and ten in losses. When they've been getting like really, just really destroyed in many, many respects, he's still been putting up mid thirty disposals and and one hundred and ten average in the in the the last loss, six losses they've had. I think that if Essendon turn the corner, he's going to be a 125 to 130 midfielder. He's got a three-round average of 127.7 and a five-round average of 123.4. Um, and I genuinely see him being the one that is outside that top six that kind of forces his way into the discussion in, pr- in future years by the end of this year whether he's like in that absolute top echelon. Um, Next would be Laird just because of his absolute killer consistency. Uh, 120 for the year, three-round average of 125, round average of 125. He's just going to keep doing his thing every week and you're not going to have the fluctuation of my next pick, which is Callum Mills, who is also really quite expensive at um, $690,000 almost. He, unfortunately, is continuing the trend that he's had in his career of being able to put out 260s in, in, a, in the same fortnight almost. Um, and that's something that just frustrates me as an owner of a premium. Um, and so, like, he has an incredible amount of upside, and there's no denying that. Um, but that's probably the only thing that just tips him down to the bottom of those three in Tier 2 for me.
1: Okay, so... Yeah, we kind we we agree mostly. Um, Parish, I absolutely agree with what you said. Laird is on my list as well. So is Callum Mills. Who was the the last? So you got one guy in T yes. three or yeah? Okay, T three. Who's a T three
2: guy? I'm going Andy Brayshaw. Okay, I'm going
1: Petrarca. Um So I think we agree with Mills, Laird, and Parish. You said you spoke well about those guys. Um, all three of them. Um, so Parish is a get ASAP because he's only going up. Laird is going to consistently pepper his price. We know that, as you said. Mills is about to have a, a wild drop pretty much after that 200 drops out. His break-even is going to be like 800. So <laughs> um, obviously, wait wait for Mills. Don't buy from him now. Um the guys you can get. Petrarca and Brayshaw, both super, super friendly prices this week. Um, either either, as in who you believe in. I've got Petrarca on top, mostly because, first of all, he's on the best team in the league. Um, I, I just think there's so much scope for them getting a hold of a team and, and him having a massive 140-plus. Not to say that Brayshaw isn't going to do that. Fremantle also very high on the ladder. Um, and they're also going to sort of take on a few teams. I just think the the tag risk with Brayshaw yeah. is enough that if I've got Petrarca and Brayshaw and I need to select one and there's a gun to my head, I'd... I just edge Petrarca with that slight tag risk on Brayshaw, so yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty much it. That that's the only thing differentiating the two. Mine's pretty much a top eleven um, with the the first six that you mentioned, the next three that you mentioned, and Petrarca slash Brayshaw, uh, with Petrarca slightly ahead. Yeah,
2: yeah, I I think I tend to agree with all that. I think the one thing that stands out for me is that Brayshaw probably. Um, has less competition and so he's likely to, to have those really big boom games um, where we see him go, you know, 150 plus. And that's not to say that Petrarca can't do that, um, but I think he just gets a few points eaten up and he becomes, he has those games where he can just sit in third gear and just rack up 110 and and just coast. Whereas I think Andy Brayshaw, if he can he can really break the tag, which is an if, but he, he's growing as a player, he might just edge Petrarca by a couple of points on average overall.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Both of them very good buys. Um, so, obviously, we've listed 10 there. I think the six are the the ones that you have to get no matter what. Um, that gives you scope for two more selections. I think Mills and Laird are both going to be close to ungettable. Yeah. Um, I think Petrarca and Brayshaw um, are both very, very kind prices this week. Um, but I'd be looking to match them up with Parish. I think, is as the best sort of... Midfield combination, so top six plus Petrarca or Brayshaw, whichever one that you prefer, and try to get hold of Parish because I think he's he's the one, as you mentioned, that that might just break away into that that pack. So, um, but I think I think that pretty much speaks for itself. Ha- having said that, if you end up with Petrarca and Brayshaw and no Parish, I also think that's fine. Um, a few guys that I have missing out are Keys, uh, Bontempelli, and Boak. I just don't think either of those three are going to string it together and stay 115 to 120 plus. Um, The rest of these guys have that potential for me. So they're just slightly on the out. Um, I think there's a really good 11 midfielders though. So plenty of variety this year.
2: Yeah, and I think we're seeing a couple of the guys that started really, really hot, like you mentioned. Um, Boke Keys, sort of coming back to the pack. Tom Green coming back to the pack. They started at the 120s. They're now kind of 110 to 105. So um, they're sort of falling into the same bracket as you might throw in a, a Walsh or a Merritt um, and even a, a Bont, the way he's been going this year too. So... Um, that's the way I kind of rank those guys as well. And for as, as, as cool as it is to have these kind of names come up in the conversation to be an upgrade um, this year for the first time, like someone like Keyes, for example, um, I, I, yeah, I just think there's different priorities, particularly they've already made pretty much the cash that they were going to to start the year.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um all right, so let's quickly go through the forwards. Yep. Um this should be quick and then slow, depending on what yep. part we're up to.
2: All right. Uh, I'll start again. I've I've got Dunkley as number one. Yep. Easy. English number two. Yep. Parker number three. Yep. And I've got Libber number four as my main four.
1: Okay. I'll I'll add Heaney to that and I'll quickly discuss those five. Um, so Dunkley for starters if you don't have Dunkley he's just put out a 78 Um, he's probably going to drop for a couple of weeks and get to about 580k um, maybe a tiny bit lower. if you don't have him you're probably targeting him Um, Parker is the opposite he's 535k he's going to keep on going up um, so you're actually probably targeting him uh, this week ideally I think if you don't have him um Tim English is one that we probably want to watch return from the hamstring um at least give him one week if if you can um and then I'd be targeting him next week if he looks good and if not then obviously that'll speak for itself um I think they're quite easily the top three um I personally have Heaney as as number four um 511k he his last few weeks has pretty much been the fact that he's just kicked behinds instead of goals. He's a very good goal kicker. Um, when that conversion goes back to the the norm, the mean, um, I think he goes back up to his 100 plus average. If you don't have him um, and you're not in denial like I was to start the season, he's going to be very very well priced um, and just an easy reverse POD to stamp out. There are pretty much as as now we've mentioned only five good forwards. Um, or four and a half, depending on whether you believe in Heaney slash Liber. Um, and and this guy's going to be one of them. So I think he's just quite easy to stamp out. He's shown that he has a really good floor as well. Um, 75 is his lowest this year. So um, Liber, on the other hand, hasn't quite gotten over his floor. Um, the thing is, he he does have some reasonable explanations. So um, earlier in the year, he's he sort of the 56 he came in um, he just experienced COVID. He had no CBAs since then. He's been literally like 131, 78, 115, 83, 137, 87, 107. He's been really up and down. So, um, I think he's got that nature about him. He's literally, it's so funny. He's gone price decrease, increase, decrease, increase, decrease, increase. <laughs> like, uh, that's, I don't know how that's possible. Um, his break even is 123, so he's going to get a decrease this week after an increase last week um, and, and stay at about 540. I just think he has the potential for back to back sub tons. Yeah. And that'll bring him to around 500 flat. And I think then he's an outrageously good price um, and a really good upgrade option. Yeah. Um, until then, 540 just, just seems like it's. It's as asking a little bit too much. It's just pushing the friendship, especially when we're going to see Parker. As we've seen Parker come down. Heaney is going to come down. Um, we're going to have the likes of, you know, we're going to talk about him in a second. But degoey is going to, you know, be way way down. Um, so I mean, that's just my two cents on the top five. I think there are all five good options there.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I tell you why I had Libera ahead of Heaney. He's got the DPP primarily because of the start of the year. His CBAs were 4%, 39%, 23%, 32%, 50%. Got the uh, the the DPP, and in the subsequent three weeks, he's gone 62%, 50%, 72%. So yeah, he, he's gone from playing out of position back to his normal inside role that he's always had. In that role, he's always gone about the 100% uh, 100 mark and even and more than that in, in previous years. So I just have a little bit more confidence. With Heaney, if we're genuinely honest with ourselves, has he transitioned to that bullocking inside midfielder that we all thought he was going to be at the start of the year? He's not. He, he's still a forward and he's still... Going to be that player that he has been for the last six years, where he's got a fifty percent chance of going somewhere between ninety-eight and one hundred <laughs> and two.
1: Yeah, and- I think the difference is it, like his conversion and his shots and goals have all increased. Um, I think that's just because Sydney are better and he's healthier than he's yeah. he, than he's been for the last couple of years. So yeah. I do think there's progression into the one hundred five to one hundred ten average mark. Um, but I don't know if if that's being overly optimistic. He's I need to check his average. I'm being harsh.
2: I'm obviously being harsh. Um, He's averaging 108. Yeah, so far. there's a reason that I have him in the top five. This is just me trying to explain why I had a little bit like yeah. in four instead of five. Um, yep. In sixth is where it starts getting difficult, and I didn't want to make a decision, so I've got Dusty slash Duncan. <laughs> one of the old oh. one of the old guys that misses games <laughs> is probably going to be in there somewhere. <laughs>
1: I have neither of them in there.
2: Uh, I've also got Dusty slash Duncan in the unlucky to miss out section. <laughs> okay. I, I haven't decided wow. which is which.
1: So I think it's it's kind of futile even discussing this, but I think the point that we're going to eventually come around to if we do discuss all these options is that the forward line is still figuring itself out. Um, I think patience is key. The top five, I think, are pr- really good purchases. And then you're probably left with Brody as well. So you're probably left with the top five plus Brody and then you're done. Yeah. Um, So I think at the moment, I've got the top four plus Brody... Sorry, I've got the top three, Dunkley... Three of the top five, Dunkley, Heaney, Parker. I plan on doing Martin to English. At that point, Brody and Butters are my worst two and i only trade them if they need to be and and then they go to like liber or if i have to trade both of them liber and you know maybe then i get creative but i just don't think many people are dipping below f- the the 5 yeah um i don't even think they're dipping below the 4 at the moment just cuz of the players that they have elsewhere yeah um so it's it's, it's a little bit futile but i think degoey just for the owners who have to have, has been really unlucky 11 clangers backed up by gastro backed up by only four clangers but just not quite getting into the game like he he usually does i think to probably the most likely to go 100 plus from the remaining guys that we sort of haven't discussed so like to butters taranto floor more text dusty duncan I think Degoy's is the most likely to get a 100-plus steal.
2: Yeah. So, we had the same top five. Who i I'll tell you my seven and eight. Who's your six, seven, eight?
1: Uh, mine is Degoy Brody, Butters.
2: Now, it's interesting that seven and eight are Brody and Butters because I've got here, these are the two names I have, seven and eight. In seventh, I have someone you already own and eighth, someone you already own. They're, they're, there you go. I, I just feel like... There's just no people in no players in the foreline going pick me. Someone pick me. Apart from like maybe yeah. a Tim English, um, and so you are likely holding on to someone that's going to be perfectly fine. If Butters becomes F six, if Brody becomes F six, that's probably great. And you've got bigger things to worry about. That's I, I think that's like. There's no, there's, there's not that other guy that's going 110. Whereas, like in the defensive line or in the midfield line, you could pick up someone that's 10 points behind someone you wish you had. And I just don't really see that happening with some of the guys that will end up first off the bench.
1: Yeah, well, put you, you sort of trapped me in there, but I appreciated it because it definitely summarised what we were trying to get out, <laughs> dancing around there. Um, let's quickly go over captains and, and finish this off. So, yeah. um, for me, I, I would ideally, if you're, you, you could wire Captain McRae against Collingwood. I think that's a brilliant option. I would ideally like to get either Neil against Adelaide or Gorn against West Coast if he's, um, if he flies over involved as well. So I think I'm going to be McRae into Neil at this point. Um, if I really, for some reason, start believing in Gorn, Um, then I might go Neil into Gorn. But I I think I'm likely McRae into Neil at this point. Yeah, I'm thinking... I uh, think that's probably going to be the most popular picks.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to ignore that after eight rounds, Neil's averaging 140. So if uh, you can go into someone like that with someone like McRae, I think that's really... Really easy. The option, otherwise, I would probably go Oliver over Gorn. Even if Gorn flies, I'd be too worried to to That's risk. Very him. good point. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna play him forward. They, you know, he, he said in the media he today, might
1: kick twelve <laughs> playing forward against West. True, West.
2: he absolutely could. You know what? I, I rescind that. No, uh, I think the <laughs> ba- <laughs> the balance of uh, uh, averages, or whatever the saying is, is that Oliver's just gonna pump out a one twenty five. Um, or more, yeah. and Gorn could be stuck forward and he could have a good game, he could have a bad game. He, it, we don't even know what the weather's like. Yeah, there's just there's lots of uh, lots of variables uh, variables in that, and that's probably just the one reason why I'd, I'd I'd kind of stay away just a little bit.
1: Two more passing comments. Firstly, Lucky Neil, we we just saw what Cripps did against Adelaide. Um, probably has the highest ceiling of the round. Yeah, so definitely more than happy to captain him. Um, and Crips for anyone considering GWS, I think they could have about 12 players lining up for him this week. If they were ever going to go revert back to the tag, it's against the guy who's probably six votes ahead in the brown line right now, Um, with either Tom Green, who's another big body, or um, Ash, or the corpse of Matt DeBoer or something. (laughs) I I don't know, but essentially, I think they're definitely going to put some work into Crips. So, I'd avoid that captaincy at all costs, and you don't need it. You've got Clary there on the on, yeah. the on the Sunday night against West Coast, so quite easily use McRae, Neil, or Clary. I think are the the top three.
2: Take take the simple option. I think.
1: Yeah, just be be simple for once. Stop being crazy. Yeah. Stop vice captaining short. You you crazy.
2: Yeah. Or with um, it in, and then like suddenly, you, just and suddenly jumping into like the top six hundred.
1: Yeah, I mean. Oh, it's hard to advise against that because you kind of pulled it off. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, kind of. Also, stop doing that. Don't do don't do that this week. <laughs> this week's an easy week. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do us, Chizo. Thanks for joining me.
2: No worries, it's mate. Good. It's it, look. I realised that I was excited to be on a, a Monday podcast with you, and uh, I hope it happens again soon. We, we should we should catch up
1: more often. It's it's been a while. No, this is a okay? professional
2: relationship. You all know, right. HR has not approved uh, outside okay. conversations after what happened last right, time. Right,
1: right, right. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I I'm still not over it. Um, okay, no, no, I, I, that's that's my bad. Um, all right, well, you can find us at on Twitter, not at Twitter, or uh, in Twitter. You can find us in Twitter at jb underscore is Chizos at cheezo underscore drsc. And Pistol is Pistol underscore D-R-S-C. Can you catch Cheezo up, by the way? No. Nah. He's a little bit behind on the followers. Nah. Can, can we do something about Don't that?
2: Don't do it. Don't follow me. Okay.
1: Uh, and, then, and then catch all three of us up to the main channel, which is um, Dr underscore S-C. So um, thanks everyone for joining. Make sure you let us know what you thought of the podcast as we see it every single week. Um, good luck for the week coming, and we'll chat to everyone next week.
2: Roll the book out!